to the Game of Thrones Flashcast. We don't have a fancy title. We just call it the Game of Thrones Flashcast. Maybe we can come up with a title now that it's the last season. I am Jason Snell, and I am joined by two gentlemen who uh, always are here, almost always, almost always, footnote, (laughs) almost always, to talk about Game of Thrones right after we watch an episode. Monty Ashley, hello. Hello, Jason. And Brian Hamilton, hello. I wanted those elephants. (laughs) So, normally at this point, I would say, this is our review of Season 8, Episode 1. And then we would have, you remember sometimes we had that segment where we talk about, like, what the title means? Yeah, I think this time it means it's the first episode of the eighth (laughs) season. Uh, Because they, uh, as we record this, still have not told us what the episode title is. They have kept that under lock and key. So, I thought I saw a list somewhere, but when I saw, uh, what was it? Episode 68 in HBO Go. I yeah. thought that was just an issue with my HBO Go. Turns out. Yeah, they have not released the uh, the name of the episode, basically. Uh, even now that the episode is out, <laughs> it's still Game it's of Thrones 68. Secret. So instead, I'd like to play a new game, guys, which is... Ooh, okay. What do you think the title of this episode is? <laughs> and I have the answer, so I'll let Monty and you decide, because they have just posted it. Or, oh, well, wait, no, it's on Wikipedia, which is never on I don't Sundays. believe Wikipedia at all. But go ahead, Monty, do you, have a, do you have a title? I'm calling it Reunions. Oh, nice. And I, I want to call it uh, I Wanted Those Elephants, but instead I think I'm going to call it Waiting for an Old Friend. Hmm. Brian? What do you think the title is, or what has the title been revealed to you by the uh, great Wikipedia? By your precious Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia says Winterfell. No. So I don't... Really? Probably not. <laughs> no. I mean, it does... A lot of it takes place at Winterfell. It could be. Yeah. Indeed it does. But that could be the title of, like, about 15 different episodes over the course of the 68 episodes um, true i think there was more winterfell in this than the average episode that's true for sure for sure all right we should get to it i guess and uh how do we do this it's been a while since we've had new episodes of game of thrones i guess we should start with the opening credits because when it's the last <gasps> season of a show oh, and everybody man. likes the opening credits you're like you know we're gonna change the opening credits to yeah. be even weirder than before and well they changed it but it's not worse like it's more no. of what we loved <laughs> no but we're going inside the buildings now that's yeah, the big thing the pop-up things have interiors and catacombs in them mm-hmm. and there was actually a new city in the map that we saw very briefly at the end of the episode right that's in yeah. fact while we were watching lauren said to me where is this supposed to be and i said i think it's the city that we saw in the opening credits i think that's the i was like thanks opening credits for telling yep. me what what where the uh, geography is for this scene it would be nice if we could have read it during the opening credits i had to go back and pause it it said last hearth yeah i guess so hmm, interesting but the, aside from that I, Every single episode, I write down the name of every city shown in the map, because as the as the series went on, they kept adding new places, and that was exciting. This time, except for that, like, zoom past Last Hearth, it was just, we see the wall, what there is of it, yeah. and then Winterfell, King's Landing, that's it. Yeah, Nowhere I will, else. I will say, I was impressed. We see the catacombs in Winterfell in this episode, and in the opening title sequence, we went down into the catacombs, and we see the throne room, which we also see in this episode. So, in terms of what they showed us of the interiors of these cities in the little clockwork model style of the Game of Thrones opening sequence, um, we saw those locations. So, I wonder if this will continue, if there are going to be, like... I mean, they've got six episodes, and it's Game of Thrones. Maybe they're really going to like pull out all the stops in the opening sequence for all six episodes. That would be good. Well, the other thing uh, is we have, we have all of the characters in these two places, basically. The Wall, uh, King's Landing, and Winterfell. That's yeah. basically it. So even though it was only those f- three locations plus Last Hearth, then it felt real. And it, it felt like a real Game of Thrones episode because it touched all the people that we expect. Mm-hmm. Until we check in on Hot Pie, who is still, as far as we know, <laughs> alive and at that one place. The quest for Hot Pie uh, all season. That'll be a recurring recurring thing. Although we get a lot of, uh, we get Gendry again, which makes me happy. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about what happens in this episode, because uh, why else are we here? Um, opening. Because we're pals. We're pals. That's true. Why not? Well, let's talk. How, how's everybody doing? No. Um, uh, oh. <laughs> 
don't Better care. Now that we watch the, I don't. I don't. I, I do care, Monty. I do care, but not right now because I think people <laughs> out there want to hear us talk about Game of Thrones. Um, so I thought it was a really nice touch that we have a king and or a queen and kind of a king on horses marching in with their retinue into Winterfell, as in episode one, and that there's a little kid who's running around and trying to see and climbs a tree in order to see, and Arya is watching all of this because, of course, Arya was that kid in season one, episode one, and I thought that was a nice touch kind of like to kick off the final season to to make a lot of calls back to the original we got to see ned's you know spot in the catacombs and ned comes up quite dramatically at the end and in, in the discussion that that john has with sam uh but i liked how it starts out with the, with that nod to the past and with a uh, variation on the exact same theme they used when the uh when the king's army was marching through in episode one hmm. yeah and- do 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 this army though a lot bigger than last time yes true because this is armies marching for war and not just like a, a, a retinue of, uh, you know, the Secret Service or whatever they have in Westeros for that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, we got the Unsullied, we got some Dothraki, um, the, uh, also dragons, <laughs> by the way, also there are yeah. dragons here. Uh, the, only there people, the, the only person who looked thrilled to see those dragons is Arya, because she loves seeing anything that could kill things. Yeah, I love the, I love that moment. I think the show, rewatching the last couple episodes of last season, um, last night as i did just to kind of reset my mind and and prepare i think this show gets a gold medal for characters showing um their knowledge and character through nothing more than facial acting because as you will recall for the end of season seven a lot of looks right a lot of yeah a lot of meaningful stares in the dragon pit in that last episode and here that scene with Arya, where she looks up at the dragons with kind of like shock and then the smile comes on her face it's like it's so good it's just so much we know her it's just so much about her character and it's there's no no words she doesn't have to go you know cool dragons <laughs> or anything she just you, you get it she smiles she's like yeah all right those those are dangerous <laughs> i love it that was one of my favorite things about the very first few episodes of game of thrones which we reviewed a few months ago that so much is established with just a look and especially when you're just thrown into a world you've never seen before uh it's really great to see them bring that back for the last episodes in those exact same places in winterfell i loved it yeah um also in this so uh, a few other things happen here so uh, Arya watches john go by and the hound and gendry and it's very much like the show saying hey unresolved things gonna gonna get resolved as it turns out in this episode or at least touched upon but it's like aria has like connections with these characters hasn't seen them in a while there's a lot of that going on now uh so i liked that moment like she just she notes notes their presence and they don't notice her um and uh and we also get because not everybody rides on horseback uh varus and Tyrion uh get a wagon which is nice like a carriage that's uh very classy but in it we get what i thought was Again, it's a it's a comedy bit, but I thought it was a good comedy bit, which is that uh, once again Tyrion makes a joke about Varys being a eunuch, and Varys calls him on it and says, "Why is it that you are offended by dwarf jokes but love making eunuch jokes?" And his answer, I mean, and not in so many words, is because eunuch jokes are hilarious and dwarf jokes are not funny, which I found delightfully funny. That they're I don't I know if he's two of them together. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be able to hang on to that once he learns that Grey Worm is a eunuch, and it, there are other eunuchs in the cast on the way back. Oh yeah, I think I think Tyrion all know, knows all that, and it's just it's their way of expressing their respect for each other <laughs> in, the, in the way that they do this. But I, I like that that he calls him on his hypocrisy for that. He's like, you know, dwarf jokes you do not like, but uh, yet <laughs> you keep making these jokes at my expense. And Tyrion's like, yeah, well, what you gonna do? Which I don't know. I I thought that was very it was a very funny moment for those characters who are uh, don't otherwise have nothing to do in that scene other than say we're too delicate to ride on a horse so yeah. I liked it um and and yeah that, that's when the dragons fly by and everybody goes oh what and all the people turn around which I I think you know I think this show does a good job at this that I like which is like the dragons they're supposed to be like mythological creatures and yet here they are and I like the idea that the the masses who are just there for the spectacle are suddenly like oh <laughs> with the dragons it's like yeah yep. yeah they're creepy they're they're weird and scary and they shouldn't exist and you, you're you're right to be a little freaked out by them that's that's about right. 
and speaking of showing things with a look, Daenerys doesn't have to say, check out my cool dragons. Mm. I'm so proud of them. She just radiates smugness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's just such a thing. I mean, this show. So watching those episodes from last season, there was already a lot of this last season where it's the uh, characters that we haven't seen interact with other characters and you know, really paying off seven years of storytelling and in this episode the moment that really got me there are a bunch but the moment that really got me was hey daenerys is is in where is in winterfell this is literally like the two most far off storylines of the beginning of the show which is there's stuff happening in winterfell with ned stark and then there's also stuff happening across the narrow sea with daenerys and all of a sudden here we are season eight episode one title tbd uh and daenerys targaryen is just standing in the middle of winterfell she has arrived it took her uh almost the whole show to get here took her 68 episodes but here she is and like i had a little moment where i was like wow this is like it's all where we really are here at the climax of this story that we've finally gotten these characters who have been so far apart for so long and like nothing symbolized that for me i think better than daenerys targaryen just walking around in winterfell and talking to sansa stark like because it was you know when it started it was almost like these are very different tv shows that happened to be mm-hmm. sharing a <laughs> sharing a time slot and now it's like oh yeah it's the same show uh, yeah, slow it, and steady wins the race. You can't do that at the end of you know season one. You have to do that at the end of or the beginning of season eight hmm. for it to have the same impact. Yep, I don't have a sense of complete closure yet, but I, at least I feel like it's momentous that this is happening. Like the doors are starting to close. Yeah, yeah. The, this is finally like all the all the pieces are on the board. Um, all the you know it's all about kind of like payoff this season i imagine i mean there's only six episodes and we just watch one of the six so we don't have a lot of time left here now some of those episodes are very extended but still we don't have a lot of time left but this is our chance everybody is now in place and it's it's delightful to see it i also like the fact that after this kind of amazing moment of well here they are here's john and danny and they're in the north and we're going to win this war the rest of the episode is very much sort of tearing that down and saying actually it's really complicated and may not go as as uh, nicely as you had hoped it would and that's yeah. very game of thrones <laughs> you liked seeing daenerys in winterfell guess who doesn't like seeing that almost everybody else everybody else else. that is so great like we i think this is one of the interesting places where the audience and the characters are are far apart and at this point because we we know so much having watched them all for seven years we are in some cases way far removed from the characters in the world and this is the perfect example which is we're like yeah john and daenerys are together they've united the armies they're gonna fight the army of the dead it's awesome and they get to winterfell and sansa's like Mm-mm, this is not good like that you were the king of the north uh this feels like a betrayal we don't know daenerys targaryen we don't trust her um you know th- this family's not even going to send their guys anymore because they don't trust her they trust you and we're going to have some trouble here and like i really respect out of this show to sort of say you know essentially hey audience you know what should happen here but people who have lower amounts of information than you which is literally everyone in this world except maybe a handful of characters they don't feel that way like they don't love daenerys they they like john but they don't like daenerys and they don't know her and they don't care about her and i like that i can see why they split the seasons where they did so that uh, this is the conflict for this season. It's going to be Sansa warming up to Daenerys is going to be such a big part of the season. And I'm kind of glad that the place they left last season was Cersei's conflict rather than Sansa's because that means there's so much more stuff to be dug into here in this first episode immediately and presumably next week as well. Yeah, as the audience were like, all right, the army of the dead is coming. We saw that cool ice dragon. The, the wall's fallen. Everybody's at Winterfell. Here we go. But then we're reminded... The characters don't know this is the last season yet. <laughs> they still have a lot of outstanding issues with each other. Well, and a lot of this, I think, I really appreciate in the sense that so many people, the way that they are taught to behave is to prioritize short-term benefit, right? Like, I was reading a, an article the other week about, um, about what was it, New York Times article about, like, oil companies and climate change. Mm-hmm. 
And it was very much the same thing, which is or, or like the, st- and the and the stock market and, and the market in general and climate change and how if you prioritize short term thinking, you know, you behave differently than if you're thinking about the long term and you can end up doing things that basically jeopardize your existence in the long term because you're not focused on it. You're focused on the short term. And I, I was reminded of that while watching this episode, because this is like the story of Game of Thrones, which is everybody's so concerned about their petty human squabbles and the whole idea here of what John and Daenerys is trying to do is is really especially John right is oh. override everybody's feelings about that and say look the real thing here is that we all die if we don't work together can we work together and yep. if we can't because everybody else is positioning about who's going to be the king or the queen where there will be no king or queen we will all be dead and that's a very human nature kind of sad commentary but I think it really is uh, it feels true to life yeah every time he says well, I don't want the crown. I want to protect the North. Somebody comes up with another reason saying, yeah. well, what about this, <laughs> He says, John? I don't, it doesn't matter. And they're like, it totally does matter. And he's like, no, no. I relate to John in that way because I've said a whole bunch on this podcast that, oh, none of this matters because they're all going to be obliterated by the White Walkers anyway. But I'm starting to take that back because now I'm realizing, of course it matters. It's going to be what stops them from unifying. And that's going to be tragic to watch. Right. <laughs> yep. They're all still busy playing the Game of Thrones. Like, who's going to sit on the Iron Throne? Could you just stop talking about it for two weeks? <laughs> Deal with the giant ice dragon and thousands of zombies. No, okay, well, yeah, that's the that's the tragedy that's unfolding. I guess that ultimately is the is the narrative tension in this last season. Is what's it going to take to get mm-hmm. all of these disparate resources kind of aligned together to you know before it's too late in order to stop the army of the dead from killing them all? And will they be able to do it? Because uh, if they were all rowing in the same direction, this would probably be over. <laughs> but they're not. So here we are. And that's uh, that's Game of Thrones. That's Game of Thrones. Um, uh, also, uh, some other things in these scenes that I thought were good. Uh, what do dragons eat? Whatever they want. That was oh, good. That, uh, that joke was so telegraphed. Yeah. Though. I just, I, I, my response, I said out loud, was uh, sheep and as mm. many as you've got. But I do like the point, like, we laid in for winter rations, and now we've got an army. Like, Sansa's very practical. She's like, oh, yeah. I could feed you, but then if the winter keeps going and we don't get help after this war is over, we're all going to starve to death. And also, there are dragons eating everything, so what yeah. are we going to do? And they don't really have any great answers there. There's a reason you armies aren't normally up here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I didn't read that as a joke. I read that as Daenerys cares more about her dragons than almost anyone else, especially after she lost one a few episodes yeah. ago. Yeah. No, I think there's there's truth in that. She's not used to um having to worry about those kinds of things. And now all of a sudden it's there's a real question and that that's, you know, Sansa's priority is her people, right? And yes, again this comes back to yes, humanity and all life it, it, sure, but also her people and the people of the north not starving is part of it. I do really um I enjoy the uh speaking of scenes of characters who haven't seen each other in a long time, Tyrion and Sansa and they call it like I haven't <laughs> oh, that's I haven't, right. They ha- used to be married. Yeah, I haven't seen you since the king's wedding. Uh, that didn't go it didn't really really go very well um and but i really like what he said was many underestimated you most of them are dead now <laughs> yeah <laughs> including me who at one point thought sansa was a very weak character and now i'm dead hi from the yep. afterlife i'm podcasting that, to you <laughs> that was the scene where she said i used to think you were the cleverest man oh, alive yeah. and then in the very next scene not in the very next scene, i guess in the later scene Arya says sansa's the smartest person she's ever met yeah yeah, well, this is the, I mean, Brian, you know, this was, the story was about the education of Sansa, because she was completely caught up in the fairy fairy tale story of princesses and stuff, which I think narratively dating back to the novels, right? I think this was right, George, right. George R. R. Martin's point was, she's like the embodiment of somebody who thinks this is a fairy tale, a fantasy story, and then goes through hell because it's not, it's awful. And survives and comes out the other side as an actual um, hero who is, she has learned the hard way all of the things she needs to learn to, and and she's earned her spot. She doesn't get it given to her as a princess, but she gets there because she earns it, the, you know, and it through incredible difficulty, but she does get there. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. through uh, dangers untold or whatnot. Sure. The night is dark, full of terrors, stuff like that. Uh, but I do love that moment where, because um, this is the thing about Tyrion, like Tyrion, although portrayed as, you know, this brilliant tactical genius, um, he's had a really bad run lately with Daenerys. And some of that is the structure of just needing to keep the, the plot from... Like, they're not telling the story of Daenerys shows up and everything, and she wins every battle, and that's the end, right? It needs to be more complicated. But I think <laughs> I think uh, Sansa is calling him on it right here, which is obviously, in some ways, his judgment is impaired, and maybe it's because of he, maybe maybe his feelings for Daenerys and that's part of it I don't know or maybe it's his his sticky uh relationships with his members of his family but um Sansa says what we all know already again another example where the audience knows already which is you know why did you believe Cersei she was totally lying which she totally was <laughs> yeah she's exactly right and Tyrion still seems to believe that like I don't think it's until next episode when well, the Jamie's Lannister there now, army. right? Yeah. So, <laughs> oh boy, the Lannister Ooh, army arrives. We'll that. It's Jamie Lannister. He's the Lannister army. That's about it. Uh, that that Tyrion's going to realize just how because it's very dramatic in the season finale last year of like, oh, Tyrion talked to her, and now we're good. And it's like, no, mm-mm, mm-mm, not even a little. Um, so, what's the deal with Tyrion? I guess I I, I don't know. I um, I we 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 love Tyrion, but his, his decision making has been flawed lately. It's been flawed a lot through his life. I suppose. He's, I mean, he had a good clever. run with the Battle of the Blackwater, though. That was pre- he was pretty good for a while. Yeah, got real, re- real well rewarded for all that hard work, didn't he? Mm. <laughs> all right, um, John and Arya have a moment. Yeah, it was really good. Including, I, I thought that was great. Like the cynical way to view this, the the uh, the the snarky way to view it would be like, well, John and Arya talk. What do they do? They uh, show, <laughs> show off, off their, their swords. Their swords, yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of touching, right? Because because he knows about needle and how needle Ned had needle made for her, and he asks if she's used it, and she says, you know, once or twice. Hmm. And he shows uh, the the sword that he got from uh, from the old bear. And uh, she's impressed by the Valyrian steel. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, like, I feel like this is how they, this is how these characters express themselves. Is let's yeah. compare our swords. <laughs> John doesn't yet know how much she's used that sword. No. <laughs> well, mostly twice, I kill, you know. I mean, she could have said like, I've only used this once or twice. Mostly I kill people by other means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Huh? Yeah. Sometimes I kill people for taking this from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but she does say nice things about Sansa here. This is a really great scene. This may be my favorite scene in the entire episode because they they are uh, something that Arya really does well, uh, and we saw it last season too, is be threatening while also obviously having family attachment. So here, she's not quite threatening John, but she is giving. She's telling him how it is, which is you know you need to. Like I'm with I'm with Sansa and he's like oh wow that's weird right because you guys were always fighting it's like family super important get with the program don't you forget it because yeah. uh, she's definitely got this kind of like raised eyebrow about you know you come back here with your girlfriend and think we're all gonna fall in line and we're we're, we're worried about Winterfell not about whatever you're worried about I, I it's you know it, it's not a scene where she's threatening him. And it's clear that she's expressing her affection for him, and yet she's also laying down a law about like where she stands. Yep. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My favorite scene is a later Arya reunion scene. Okay. Well, well yeah, Arya, Arya has a lot of people to get uh, back in touch with. Is they what all saying. do. That's why I'm calling this episode reunions. Reunions. That's like, great. So many scenes are like, oh yeah. You two used to know each other like three seasons ago. So meanwhile, in King's Landing, <laughs> the uh, Cersei gets the great news that the dead have broken through the wall and are now south of the wall. Fantastic. And uh, Euron Greyjoy Ugh, is, dude. who is uh, just, mm, uh, uh, <laughs> and he's got the Golden Company with them. So they've got their, as the plan from last season, 20,000 men, 2,000 horses, zero elephants have come to uh, take, take over and uh, win the war once the dead are gone. 
I will say this about Euron. He is enjoying himself more than anyone, any of the other characters at this point. Like, yes, but he's also, that shows a lot about what he enjoys in general, you know? Like, (laughs) at one point he says, well, if things go bad here, we'll just leave and join the other side. He is not invested in any of it, and that's freeing him up to just be the grossest person. He doesn't know the initiation for the other side, though. It's very harmful, and you get dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I'm, know that's not who he's talking about, but... Yeah. I'm a little surprised that Cersei, after after all of that, decides that um, that uh, she will take him into her bedchamber. Like, but, but she's like, all right, well, you know let's uh let's uh give it a go and and she goes with it which i you know after uh you know after saying that uh that she's gonna make him wait she decides to take him uh take him along for a little uh a little down payment a little i don't, I don't know what that that uh it's two unpleasant people having yeah. uh, unpleasant relations <laughs> probably we don't get to see it um i think she's just that calculating at this point mm. she thought about like you know what? If it'll keep you quiet. Yeah. Stop talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although she does say, and I, 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 I kind of like it because if she's good, she's very good because what she says is you are the most arrogant person I've ever seen. Uh, and she says like, I like it, but it's like, well, if you're going to compliment your own great joy, what do you have to work with? Super <laughs> arrogant. Yep. Nice sideburn. <laughs> yep. Just and meanwhile, uh, call those out. And Noel, she's sending chests of gold and a crossbow to good old Bronn. Oh, Bronn. <laughs> There's no way he's going to use that on Tyrion, right? No, There's no, no way at all. I, no. I, love, I love that Bronn has been put in this thing. Also, also, by the way, Bronn gets promised lots of stuff that he never yeah. gets, right? He, so he, he knows that. Also, um, I just want to do a Roz check-in. Uh, she wasn't one of the three horrors that, that Bronn was with there, right? What happened to Roz? No. Is she I still think Joffrey, she still Joffrey killed her with a crossbow. All right. Well, That's what I think happened. Okay. That's probably true. I could true. be wrong. It's probably true. Anyway, there is, that's your Game of Thrones. It is Game of Thrones. And also, hearkening back to season one, <laughs> we <laughs> have some gratuitous nudity of women uh, having sex with uh, Bronn, in this case. <laughs> and I I honestly, I it kind of made me smile because it's like, it's Bronn. Like, yeah. of course. Of course, it's Bronn. Of course. They were kind of grossing him out, though, because they were talking about their pals that came back with their eyelids burned off and stuff. <laughs> that is... See, now, my other nomination for what this title should yeah. be is, oh. can we stop with the fucking dragons? <laughs> <laughs> no, we need more of them. <laughs> Bronn is like, I, you know, you need to stop talking about people being burned alive right now. I am having a pleasant time. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I agree. I think I think this is obviously going to be Bronn's little uh, problem to solve, which is he's been chartered by Cersei with killing. If the dead don't kill Tyrion and Jaime, then he's supposed to do it. And I don't believe that either. But um, but I feel like that's going to get strung along, right? That that he's got to figure out which way this is all breaking. Because if Cersei loses, it doesn't matter. If she wins. Yeah. He kind of needs to do it. So, you know, but I don't believe it for a minute either because it's Braun. He's fun. He likes those guys. He's not going to kill those guys. He no. likes them too much. Um, the, the, uh, oh, and by the way, the guy making that deal is the creepy Kyburn. <laughs> Kyburn, yes. The creepy, <laughs> disgraced maester who is the hand of the queen and, uh, and I kind of like that character just because he is like a mad scientist. He's super creepy. Yeah. And he can diagnose the pox on site, which yeah, you should be able to. I mean, it's pox. You can normally see it on somebody, but yeah, that was a, that was a creepy moment. Oh, poor girl, pox will take her within the year. He says, "Yeah, that was creepy. That was fun." Because then we got uh, Ron saying, "Which one? What? Because <laughs> only one of those hordes was actually working." Yeah, yeah. Which one is it? I don't know, but it's like there's a wagon outside. Cersei's ready to pay. Good luck, Bronn. We'll be seeing more Bronn, and uh, that's fine. I love Bronn. God, I hope so. Yeah, he's great. Um, we did... Oh, so, uh, Theon. Yes, good for him. Right? When Yeah, I was hoping. I was like, does the time frame work here? Has there been enough time? But they did go and get the Golden Company and bring them back. Last we saw Theon, he was taking a boat, you know, a few rowboats worth of guys, and they were going to go break out Yara. And uh, they... 
got some arrows and shot them through the eyes of the people on the ship <laughs> and took Yara away from the clutches of Euron. And uh, uh, mm-hmm. she gave him a punch in the face because he, he, he deserved that. And then, yep. uh, and, then, uh, and then she lets him go to Winterfell, which I thought was pretty great. Yeah. Like, she's not completely unreasonable. She will knock him down because well, we're Greyjoys. But I thought that was a lovely reunion and about as emotional as Yara felt like being. Yeah, that makes sense for them. I, I, yeah, I feel like we've all come to understand how it's like understanding how Klingons behave in Star Trek. It's like the Iron Islanders. I feel like I've internalized that enough now that she punches him in the face. And I'm like, yeah, OK, that's I, fair. And then she I says think it may actually have been a headbutt in the face. Oh, you're right. You're right. It is. It was a headbutt. And then she says, what is dead may never die, but kill the bastards anyway. And I'm like, got it. I totally understand this crazy thing that you just said because Iron Islands got it, got it, and that's that sets her up for a Han Solo later on in the final season. Where, <gasps> yeah, yep. I thought you were too selfish to be here, but hey, you saved us. I hope. Yeah, and they start scheming to sell or sell the what the Iron Islands can offer to Daenerys as a safe haven from the dead who cannot swim, which I think was a really cool move in contrast to uh, Euron Greyjoy, who sucks and wants to keep it for himself. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I don't know whether we'll see Yara uh, as a some sort of uh, refuge that they have to take if the war goes badly with the dead, but um, I do feel like, yeah, we're getting this. Yara's going to go, since since Euron is hanging out with Cersei and he's got the Golden Company, that it gives her the opportunity to take over the Iron Islands and maybe be an ally at some point down the road, which is, uh, which is good. That's good. And it may be that Han Solo moment. Totally. Totally could be. So, um, the Karstarks market, march into Winterfell which leads to another fantastic moment in this where uh was it Tyrion says ah that's one of the better sigils i love that like again appreciation of the various sigils that have been created for all the houses in this yeah. and he, and then of course t- twisting the knife talking to the onion knight he says sure beats an onion <laughs> <laughs> and the onion knight agrees i yeah. mean that is a good sigil and the onion does look dumb yeah yeah I mean, the onion was like because he was a smuggler, right? But it's 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 pretty good. It's pretty good. And they and, and so we get the moment, and it's the onion knight and Varys and Tyrion, and they are the uh, the wise old advisors who are trying to figure out what they need to do. And they and uh, and was the onion knight who says we got to marry these two, John and Daenerys. We got to marry marry these two, and uh, and shipping. You get the whole like. We don't, you know, they don't want to listen to us old men. And Tyrion's like, I'm not that old. I'm not as old as the Onion Knight. And <laughs> Varys has his, like, philosophical memoirs. Like, you know, this is the, the wisdom of the elders is their way of, like, trying to hide from the unpleasant truth that nothing lasts. Which is, yeah, okay, it's Game of Thrones. I get it. I get it. You brought, what I appreciated there, what I appreciated it. What I appreciate there is the fact that he mentions respect is a distancing mechanic for them, where they're like, oh, we respect the elders, but that's a way we keep them at arm's length and kind of keep them up on this pedestal. Whereas the very next scene, as they're looking down at John and Daenerys, uh, they're talking about, well, if uh, Sansa can't respect me, then I don't know what's going to happen. And there's two different levels of respect there, where on one hand, respect is an alienating thing between the old people, not as old as the Onion Knight, and the younger people. And uh, it's also a message for Daenerys to try to bring Sansa back into the fold where she needs to respect me as her queen and I don't know how that's gonna go honestly the dragons don't like the north another important point here um that I don't know that they don't like it it's cold I get it it does lead however you know what the dragons do like they like um, to go for a go for a ride. They like to fill time in a final season that doesn't have that many spare <laughs> so minutes. I I didn't feel like it was. I mean, I think I thought it was kind of charming that it's John and Daenerys and they're taking their fly around. And the the point also is, I guess, like we've never seen anybody else fly a dragon, and only Targaryens are supposed to be able to ride dragons. So it is part hmm, of it. Like John, we already we already know he's a Targaryen. We yeah. heard that at the end of the last season. Yeah, I don't know. I, I enjoyed I, I enjoyed it, if not for any other moment, for the, the moment where the dragon goes over the thing into the valley and then immediately dives straight down. <laughs> John is like, ah! <laughs> it was good. Uh, I, I enjoyed me and I, I, that, and I enjoyed the line, you've completely ruined horses for me. I thought yeah. that was pretty great. So, so, and I think it's actually, and then that... they're kissing, and the dragons are looking at him, and he's like, oh, he keeps his eyes so open. It made me laugh. It made me laugh. Yeah. I thought that was oh, all really funny. See, I like the line, it's cold up here for a southern girl, and so keep your queen warm. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's fun, but... That was a good flirt. 
I really enjoyed that uh, they padded out the episode with this really incredible, probably very expensive dragon sequence, whereas in previous seasons they would pad it out with boobs and butts, which they had this episode, but it wasn't like padding out for time because, of course, they don't have much time left. But this was a really pleasant way to pad the episode, which I enjoyed. Yeah. I I just feel like I'm going to get lots of people riding dragons in cool combat scenes, I hope and assume. Hmm. So blowing it out now when there's no uh tension i'm not sure eh. yeah I, I i see your point it definitely is not super plot heavy i did enjoy it because i i feel like the show still really does need john and daenerys to spend time together whether That's true. I, yeah whether they're coming together or whether there's this because it gets kind of awkward toward the end of this episode like i feel they need to all we saw was sort of their uh their moment on the ship <laughs> in the last episode after she saved him and so they needed to do that this this sort of like romantic dragon ride thing like and people love the dragons but you're right it doesn't have a lot to do with the plot i enjoyed it um i I didn't think it was filler per se but it's not super important it's just more kind of like fun to see and very expensive and was was great to watch and it made me laugh at several points but it's not it's not super important to the grand scheme of things i think uh go ahead anything no i i was just coughing i apologize all right it's fine it's a flash cast these things happen uh gendry i'm sick gendry's 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 gotten a lot sassier than i I remember him Mm -hmm. huh yeah a few years on the road that that'll do that he's forging dragon glass he uh he says it's difficult the hound calls him on it that uh or is, is it that he's bragging about it? It's just like, yeah. do, you, do you tell me how hard that, hard that is? But uh, it's Gendry and the Hound who were both, of course, on that mission to be on the wall in the in the uh, previous episode. And uh, and then Arya shows up and it's quite a thing, right? Because <laughs> it's like, you left me for dead uh, to the Hound. And she points out that she robbed him first. <laughs> yeah, he is not intimidated by her, but he does walk away first. I think he enjoys her. I have always thought he enjoys her. Yeah, this is one of those moments where I thought to myself, this is one of the things that I like about Game of Thrones is that Game of Thrones, the way that it's structured, there's no room for modern kind of like irony. Um, Like Braun can do some of that, but some of the some of the humorous characters can do it. But like you don't get the complete kind of modern ironic take like where a character is like, all right. Yeah, I know that's ridiculous, but that's what happened to me. And and uh, I thought about it here where, you know, what's the hound going to do that's in character? What can he say? And the answer is he, he doesn't really say anything. He's got kind of like a nice look in his eyes and then he just leaves. And yeah, he totally is happy she's alive and respects her and would have done the same to him if he had been in her shoes. And uh, I always loved that relationship. So I liked, I felt like we got it back a little bit here where she's not, you know, she's not going to back down and apologize. She's like, I robbed you first. And he's like, all right, you know, anyway, because I didn't kill you like you wanted me to, you're alive. You're alive. So we're, we're good. Can you complain? Really? We're good. Let me. And what he doesn't do is say, "Oh, let me tell you that." Oh boy! Like I woke up and like there was this cult led by that guy from Deadwood. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't do any of that. He's just like, "Well, we're here. This is how it worked out." It's it's good. And then and then we get uh, Gendry and Arya. I feel like the ghost of Hot Pie. He's not dead, but like the spirit yeah. of Hot Pie was hovering over that conversation. It's like, "Yay! It's back to our little uh, our little buddies again." Yeah, some good banter. Yeah, and a very very princess bride, right? As you wish, milady. Yep. <laughs> and, but she has plans for like a some weird new weapon. You have any theories about what what is going on with that? I couldn't None. get a good look at the sketch, but it looked like some sort of sword where the sheath was also part of the weapon, like a uh, Lucius Malfoy kind of staff. See, I thought it looked like something you disassemble but i don't know why she would want that and i was thinking it might be like a dart or something like she could like take off the the hilt and and fire up dart or she's got or two-sided dragon glass on the other side of i i'm not quite sure but she's got a plan for a cool weapon and uh gendry can take care i mean he's really good at this right he he told us so himself earlier in this scene <laughs> but uh I'm, I'm glad that gendry is there i'm, I'm still happy about that that uh that we got that character to like he hasn't gone away 
and uh, it's nice to see him. And yes, the banter in this scene is great. Like, uh, I always knew you were another rich girl. And she says, you don't know any rich girls. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> ba- baker slash uh, armor maker slash weapon maker. Is she a rich girl now again? I guess she is. I don't know. I mean, she could, technically, I think she could just kill anybody who was rich and take their money. Yeah. So she sort of got as much money as she needs. And she is, you know, right in the in the noble family. Even if she was not the lady of Winterfell, she's still in the Starks and would have. Uh... Yeah, but you're right. She is kind of acting outside of society, and maybe uh, Gendry doesn't understand that. Um. Okay. So there's some uh, other uh, problems going on again about the Northmen um, being hesitant with Daenerys. Sansa points out to John that um that the Glovers won't come because they pledged themselves to John and not to Daenerys and they get to have that conversation that I think is a good one where he is making the argument we you know we need Daenerys and uh and Sansa's like yeah but they they want you and she calls him on it and says all right John did, did you do this to save the north or because you love her and John's answer is mm. <laughs> And yep. they cut. Oh my God! They just cut. <laughs> and I love that she's doing this in private with John, even though in public she said, "Winterfell is yours, Your Grace." Yeah. To Daenerys. So like, it's good politics. Sansa is so good at politics yeah. right now. I'm so happy to see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the right thing to say. And then behind the scenes, she's like, mm, "This is not so great. Why did you do this? This is kind of dumb." Yeah, and uh, and and she's totally seen it. like like you you love her. And he's like mm, mm, not going to answer. Mm, 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 mm. But we know it's it, the answer has already been given. Um, and then we get to see Sam. <gasps> oh my! <laughs> this scene. Oh God, I'm so upset. I'm so upset. It, it's been lead, laying lead the there way, for like three episodes, right? Like it, this, it was very clear when when Daenerys uh, too hastily, and that's also interestingly part of this, right? Which is uh, you talk about like politics, like privately, what they said to Daenerys. I think Tyrion said to Daenerys is, "You really should not have roasted the Tarleys alive." Like. Could have thrown him in a jail, could have got him to reconsider, could have killed the father, but kept the son around and let the son do your bidding. And instead you got angry and you killed them both. And that was not good. And But in public, it's like, well, you know, she's the queen. She's going to do what she wants. But this is the, the bill that is going to come due that just was inevitable, right? Which is she killed Sam's dad, who was a jerk. And he's kind of hurt by that. But at least his brother is still, mm, no, mm. Mm, no, not great. And, it, and it's tough, too, because, like, it starts out with, like, hey, Jorah, we want to give you something. You say, Jorah, remember Jorah? I'm like, yeah, okay, that's great. He says, I borrowed some books. Ha, ha, ha. It's pretty funny. And also a sword from my dad. You know, Randall Tarley. Oh. Mm. And then it gets super awkward, which is, uh, which this- is tough. This was the scene that made me reconsider Daenerys as the, like, best option for the Iron Throne. And I know the show, like, in a meta sense, is putting more weight on Jon's shoulders to be like, this is the true rightful king. He's Aegon Targaryen's son. He's the person that should be on the Iron Throne. But I have been rooting for Daenerys for so long, and seeing all this stuff against her in these very small, personal, real ways was heartbreaking. Seeing her act too fast and burn up the Tullys and also seeing all the uh, Winterfell and Northern people turn against her for not being one of them. And it's not, it's not even that I agree with them in that sense. It's that I'm upset. They're not being more pragmatic about the fact they, they should have anticipated that the Northern people would not like Daenerys in this capacity. And I know why she doesn't think that because she th- thinks she's perfect and she's fed a steady diet of the people are whispering for your good health and uh, hope for your return, <laughs> my grace. And that's not how it works. And this is one of those things where I just want to like reach through the screen and strangle someone and say, just talk it out, please. <laughs> I'm so annoyed. <laughs> yeah, the show at this point wants us to start questioning Daenerys a little bit, right? Like even if, even if inevitably she is, the one who is the solution here, that is 
boring if we all just kind of go into the end thinking it's a done deal. And so this episode is sort of like, all right, there's issues. Like the North doesn't want to accept her. Um, we see the scene with Sam. It's like, oh yeah, right. She made that decision and she killed. And we like Sam and Sam is unhappy with Daenerys. Okay. And then of course, Sam drops the knowledge on John that he is <laughs> the rightful, uh, rightful ruler of Westeros. And the show, the show wants to make us question our devotion as people who watch the show for 68 episodes to Daenerys, at least a little bit. I think, I understand it for dramatic purposes, but it is a little bit disquieting because you're like, oh boy, like it's going to be hard and it's going to be complicated and our friends are not all getting along, which is hard to see. Well, the way Sam puts it to John, you gave up your crown to save your people. Would she do the same? Mm -hmm. Would she? I don't know. She really does like being the person in charge. On the other hand, she's the one with dragons. So... Maybe she doesn't need to make that decision. Other people do. Yeah. yeah, it's not something she's ever had to think about because the dragons make everyone listen to her. And at this point, that's not working. Also, well, it is once the dead get there because she's got two dragons and they've got one. Yeah, but they're, like, they're, her uh, I, end game is rule Westeros. And Jon Snow's end game really is just make sure that people are alive. And that has always been so. She'll go along with him because they they're not, they don't want the same thing. But the danger is if they do want the same thing, because then it gets even worse, right? Then then they're not a unified front. It's not. It's yep. it's, it's not like I, I think it's effectively done here, where I I believe Daenerys and John both are good generally good people who want the right things but the show is is definitely going to highlight the fact that there is this potential clash now maybe if you're john i mean there are a bunch of different ways to play this john if john doesn't care he doesn't care but if the seed gets planted of of doubt in her also i don't know i'm unclear it seems like incest is a taboo in westeros because jamie and cersei had to hide their incest except um, among targaryens but, which it turns out you are so you're her uncle or whatever go for it that's exactly right is that it turns out targaryens were always incestuous it's part of the family deal like dragons were and so yeah maybe so i don't know how john's gonna feel about that that and it may be a little while of john processing that i don't know we don't have that much time but we've got a little bit of time it's I mean, half brother right because that is daenerys's father right no 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 her so she is his aunt because oh, okay. because i'm sure we had this conversation two years yeah, john, ago I'm sure we did. john's dad was the oldest brother he was the prince um, who who wed secretly Lyanna Stark and they had a baby and then he was killed in Robert's rebellion and Daenerys is the youngest of the of the Mad King and was taken across the narrow sea and that means that Daenerys is Jon's aunt. Yeah, she that's is okay. his. She is his nephew or, or he is her nephew. Um, yeah, John deciding how he feels about that and them deciding what their relationship is now, I think, is the most important thing. Yeah, like, interpersonally, that can happen on the show now. Yeah, and next week, are we going to see one of those moments where she's showing affection to him and he's like creeped out? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I hope and so. are they going to talk about it? Probably not. I, I I hope they don't slow roll this. It took them seven seasons to get to the point where anybody knew their relationship. Then it was two people, and now one episode later, three people know. Yeah. Push that along, because like I say, that's core interpersonal relationship now that should be what the entire next episode is about among okay also jamie but (laughs) (laughs) they've got stuff to talk about and i hope they do because it infuriates me on television shows when one person knows something knows everybody else needs to know it and just decides not to tell them yet because it's not time for that yet. The only caveat I would give to that, because I agree in general, this is the Lost problem, right? And I loved Lost, but too often on Lost, somebody knew something and just wouldn't say it. And it was like, (laughs) this is really important. You should have said something. Um, The only thing I would say is one of the things a lot of characters in this show have to do right now is say, do I want to bring up things? It, It happened in this episode. Do I want to bring up things about where we're going when we win? Because we may not win. So let's, let's, you know, John could decide 
it doesn't matter now. Like, I don't even want to hear it. Like, let's just win this war. Um, Which is a, a certain kind of optimism for the people who think there will be a world after this. That's when we can talk about this. Well, you have to play to your outs. Like, if we all die, it doesn't matter. So you should assume you're going to live yeah. and win. There's also an easy out here. And I think it's, um, I think it is foreshadowed with the old advisors talking, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> the easiest out here is that John and Daenerys get married, at which point John is the king, Daenerys is the queen. Um, the, that brings the Northmen in line. That solves the problem of who's the rightful owner of the throne because they're the king and the queen. I guess that technically means she has to be the queen to John being the king, but you know, it kind of solves it regardless if they're a team and they trust each other so they'll need a second throne though they they might need to melt down some uh, there'll be some like white walker bones or something they'll make the bone Ooh. throne next to the sword yeah. throne something like that metal um, hey i've Except- got i've got some good news though good news <gasps> followed up from like a year and a half ago when we last did this um tormund and beric dundarian did in fact survive the explosive destruction of the uh what eastern portion of the wall because we find them at the end of this episode yeah um, we do if you're watching in hd <laughs> if you are watching in standard definition which i am forced to do because that's the only way i can watch the east coast feed i could see nothing until that sword lit up that was a completely black scene ah. <laughs> just terrible cinematography I watched this on a eh, 10-year-old, maybe, HDTV on a PS4, and I was shocked at how good it looked, especially in the underground uh, Stark catacombs scenes. They looked so good. There were very few artifacts. I'm very sorry you had to sit through the standard definition artifacts, Monty. Everything was fine until this final scene where it's jet black. Well, then a flaming sword appears. It, this was a, this Why was, isn't that always lit up? This it's was a the flaming most, sword. This was the most D&D moment of the whole thing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Monty, I was like, I said to Lauren, oh, they're playing D&D now. Because it's like, I got, the, I got a plus one flaming sword, and you got to cast light or have something that's on fire or have a torch. Otherwise, you can't see anything. So you got to have that flaming sword. Super convenient. And then they're like doing their, like, I'm going to move around and torment. And then it's just the Night Watch guys who are there. And, uh... And they bring them to show. So, so early in this episode, we didn't mention it. Um, they send the uh, the Umber, like Lord Umber, who is a who is a boy, who is a, like a teenage boy, a kid. and not a cool teenager like Liana, that is, who is also in this episode. Exactly. She's great. But they killed the great John, and they killed all the other Umbers. So he is the ranking Umber, so that he'll do their bidding. And um, they they send him back to their place to bring all the people over like hurry up get back there bring all your people over here the dead are coming it's going to be bad and what tormund and beric and darian find in this in this deserted city or town or hold or whatever it is is the little umber boy uh, who we saw a few scenes ago nailed up against a wall with a bunch of body parts in a swirly pattern which is that children of the forest you know historical weird magic swirly pattern that we see repeatedly in this show and in a very nice moment while we're looking at the foreground of the characters talking the eyes of the little ember boy open the background so good (laughs) and then you could call him crayola because he becomes burnt umber oh i was gonna say mel- i was gonna say melted but that would also work uh yes because the flaming sword you know what flaming swords are good for uh setting undead creatures on fire until Oops. they are uh diminished and out of commission and that's what happens that's what i don't happens. know what it is about like bodies up on walls that makes me so happy but this scene <laughs> A bunch of stuff in Annihilation Brian. and one of my favorite scenes ever in Saw 3 all feature Brian. like flayed bodies on the wall and it's some of the coolest photography I've ever seen. I love this scene. Uh, it's None su- of that can be taken out of context, it's right? It's fine, Brian. It's fine. I'm worried about you. Uh, it's uh, it's super creepy. It's super creepy. Uh, yeah, it is. It's, it's well done. I like the parallel with Liana, right? This is, this is the child leading his family and uh, doesn't go so well. I also am fascinated because, you know, the, the Night King is doesn't doesn't communicate which i think is actually really interesting right he just makes gestures and things but he doesn't 
He doesn't talk. He doesn't laugh maniacally. He doesn't do any of that. And I thought this is interesting because this is sending a message. This is communication yeah. from the from the Night King. He had to have somebody nail all those arms up on the wall and maybe somebody standing back 20 feet, like giving direction, like it's not symmetrical enough. Yeah. It's very well done. Very well done. The spiral pattern of dead body parts. So I like that. That is extra creepy that it's a message, like a little kind of like a uh, like boasting a little bit from yeah. the Night King. And, and that, of course, was at the last hearth, which uh, a hearth is a part of a fireplace. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that he ends up on fire. I yeah, sure. What better place to have your flaming sword than in the last hearth? Um, final scene. Final scene. Here it is, <laughs> as set up in the last episode of last season. Into Winterfell came, comes a hooded rider. It is Jamie Lannister. Now, in an earlier scene when uh, Bran is sitting out in there and he, he tells, uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but he tells Sam, you need to go tell John this and and he's not my brother which is factually true and he trusts you more than ever anyone sam uh, uh, these guys care so much about genetics you were raised by the same guy yeah it's I, yeah i know you but were adopted it's you're his brother come it, on it, i i agree but uh you know but i think that's brand taking it literally because he's now you know because weird. he doesn't want to do the hard work also of he's like weird John. three-eyed three-eyed raven guy right i I'm, I'm, yeah. i think he takes things more literally than maybe a normal person would but he's not wrong about sam having the special bond with john um, but the other thing he says when sam finds finds brand there brand says i'm waiting for an old friend well <laughs> oh, yep. Oh, yeah, speaking of reunions, and, and as Jamie comes in to Winterfell, speaking of people coming into Winterfell, harkening back to episode one, Lauren said to me, "Wow, last time Jamie was there, uh, lots of bad things happened." And then they cut immediately. They cut to across the across the uh, courtyard at Winterfell. There's Bran in a wheelchair, and Jamie looks at him and it's like, "Oh no!" And it's another of those things where. Jamie doesn't see any say anything, and Bran is barely giving any expression. But you see him, and Jamie just kind of goes, oh. "Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> yep, oh my god, waiting for an old friend, huh?" Mm-hmm. See, I don't know why I thought that this plot line was resolved. I guess it's because they put all the Joffrey's lineage stuff to rest in season one when they behead Ned, but. I guess it actually wasn't resolved, and for the first time in years, we actually see this is something that can come up again, and ooh, that was good. We've been hanging out with Jamie, and we're like, well, Jamie's not so bad. He's had some redemption. We saw his hand get cut off. He had all that stuff with Bran's mother. Oh, but this is going to be a thing, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, well, also, it's very Game of Thrones in the sense that Jamie is there for good reasons. Jamie has actually left his sister. He is he is betraying her because he believes in their cause. He is doing this for all the right reasons, but again, there's a lot of baggage here and just it's the same part of the theme here, which is uh, you know, John bent the knee to Daenerys for all the right reasons, also because he's in love with her, but for all the right reasons of saving humanity. <laughs> Uh, but and it made people unhappy because they don't like that. And this is the same thing. It's like Jamie is there for good. He really is there for all the right reasons. And yeah, still Jamie yeah. Lannister. Nobody's going to be happy about it. Well, as the uh, coming next week uh, segment reminded us, also he killed Daenerys's father. Yes. See that. Oh, that yeah. I was gonna. Me- I was gonna mention that if you if you saw the next time trailer or if you know the 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 lore, the next time trailer was quick to remind you of a very important fact, which is the Kingslayer. That right? king is Daenerys's father, and uh, and uh, it turns out Jon Snow's grandfather. <laughs> so yeah. I guess we're talking about that next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Kingslayer, not just a uh, clever name actual uh king actual father of daenerys targaryen yep. so i i'm here to pledge to you just like i did pledge to your father oh boy Ooh, oh, don't think too boy. hard about it but Ouch. i'm gonna pledge mm. so d- just like we were talking about how these people let their interpersonal problems get in the way of fighting the real threat you can see how that would happen. You can. You can. Uh, actually, it, it was also echoed. It was foreshadowed in Tyrion's thing, where Tyrion gets up uh, earlier to talk to people, and I'm like, "This is not a good idea." Like they don't. They don't want to hear from you, dude. I know you got good things to say. They don't want to hear from you. It gets up. He's like, "Oh, Lannister army's coming." It's like we don't 
mm, that we don't like that. Like that's no, we don't want the Lannister army here. It's like, but but we're gonna save you. Mm-mm, no, and now here's and Jamie are you Lannister. going to leave immediately afterwards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also puts it, it's interesting because it makes them judge Tyrion as a Lannister, which is hilarious given what we know about Tyrion's backstory here. But to, for the the people on the street. There are no streets in Winterfell, but yeah, you know, they're not impressed at all because he's just another Lannister. So, so then Jamie comes and it's, oh boy. So that'll be good. That'll be good stuff. Cause we, we have taken that journey again as audience. We have taken the journey with Jamie and are inclined to understand he's a complex dude who's made some bad decisions, but also has some opportunity to be redeemed. Um, the characters in the show don't think that, <laughs> To be honest, they don't think that. So that's going to be something. Good episode, I thought. How about you guys? I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's. Uh, it picked things up. It reminded me where we are. It established some stakes, both personal stakes and you know the overall threat to Westeros. I'm excited. Mm, five more. Five more episodes. Five and more. Then, oh God, only five. We're gonna end this show that's right i have a theory i would like to present to you two my very good friends Uh, it's time for brian's theory corner that's my i'm working on it new new segment Um, what's your theory brian segment great my theory uh unrelated to anything in this episode but just a thought i had is that the last episode (laughs) backing off it already i like it Well, no, I'm not backing off it. I'm saying that it's not relevant to anything in this episode, but <laughs> Brian's it's something I unsubstantiated theory. <laughs> Corner. The very last episode of Game of Thrones will zoom way forward, is my theory. Either most of or part of the last episode will be zoomed 50, 60 years into the future, and we'll see what happens. Oh, the- I'm going to go the other way. I think they are going to resolve, like the war or something and then have two people who have a claim to something look at each other <laughs> and then end as though to say <laughs> really the game of thrones never ends i here's here's what i'm going to throw in an episode when we can check in every episode this season about how we think it's going to end here's my prediction and this is a version of a, something i predicted before which is uh King King Gendry on the throne, uh, King Gendry. ordering that hot pie be named the Hand of the King. That's what so I'm going with. So this is your for Spinal now. Tap comes out on stage. <laughs> that's right, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. King Gendry and the no, I mean the, they have said that it's a bittersweet ending. I imagine it's going to be you know a lot of people are going to be dead and they're oh, going to be picking up pieces and yeah. We we should talk about that. Nobody important died this episode. It's true, but. There's no way we're going to get through the other five episodes without cutting some people down, right? No, I mean, you know, the Umber Boy is really sad that you don't think he's important. And also that whore who has the pox. <laughs> well, she's going to die at the end of the year. And all those I think. Iron Islands guys who got the arrows through the through the eye. I think she is going to outlive Kyburn. Okay. Yeah, I think I think you're that that is we should talk about that at least a little bit as we're we're wrapping up, but there's so much here. Uh Cersei, I think that is actually the most interesting thing that I, I, I would say about this episode is we are so focused on the the army of the dead who we don't see in this entire episode. Hmm. But Cersei like that's that's what I worry about and that's what I wonder about is if in the end what happens is that the army of the dead is defeated like in three or four episodes and the last couple of episodes are um Circe and the golden company plowing through the wounded remains of the people who defeated the dead because that would be a real bummer like i i would say you know people have talked about like the real downer ending is that the the army of the dead and the night king kill everybody <laughs> I don't know. I think the real downer is if Cersei still has any influence at all. That would be I, a real downer. I still think she's one of the better rulers that we have on our list of people who could. Hmm. But She's a good ruler, but terrible person. Well, yeah, that'll happen. In fact, I might argue it's bound to happen. <laughs> I think the army of the dead, at least some of them, are going to get as far as King's Landing. I, I don't think she can keep her city safe and let everybody else do the hard work. 
yeah, it, given how far past episodes of Game of Thrones have gone, I emotionally and like extremity I guess I can't imagine they're going to pull out I, I can't imagine this season won't be extreme and heartbreaking and gut-wrenching and we didn't see much of that this episode but I can totally see episode four five or six you know Cersei having to make a terrible decision or a bunch of characters dying like there, there's going to be a lot happening it would be pretty amazing if the army of the dead marched south faster than the army that's in the north and that it ended up being that the Army of the Dead's first attacks were in the south. Oh, if they just skipped Winterfell? That'd be amazing. Yeah, but I, I, I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. I think they're going to go straight to Winterfell. But wouldn't that be something if in the end it was sort of like uh, they show up on the front doorstep of King's Landing and then all the Northmen are like, hmm, uh, okay, <laughs> I guess we'll fight them down there then with, with Cersei who wouldn't help us? Um, I don't know. I, I have no idea. There's so many different ways they could go. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. But yeah, I, I am surprised the bodies have not yet begun to hit the floor, but it should happen soon, right? Like, like soon, maybe even next week. Well, well, we will be back, right? We will be back. We yeah. will be back. You won't be back, Jason. Next week, I am going to be at a wedding. Not a red wedding, I hope. Oh, I hope Oh, hey <laughs> Uh, so, so I'm going to leave that in your hands, you two, and Ow, it's hot. And then I'll be back. You know, <laughs> How I, do I hold this fire sword? I don't understand it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You you hold the fire sword. You hold the pie. You put the pie next to the fire sword. You get a hot pie. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So you guys will be back next week. I will just watch in the comfort of my hotel room, I guess, or something after the wedding is over. Uh, and then I'll be back in two weeks. And uh, so, yeah, I'm missing one sixth of the season, but that's okay. Um, it's it's fun to be back with you guys to talk, to talk about this. And uh, and uh, I'm glad there's more Game of Thrones for us to a little bit more for us to talk about a little bit. And Brian, keep those crazy theories coming, man. Walter White comes back and kills everyone. Walter White Walker. Oh, nice. wait, it. now there's Thank actual... I, we killed it. Anyway, uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening to the Game of Thrones Flashcast. Woo, we're back, we're back. We'll see you next week, Woo. except for me. I won't see you next week, but the rest of us will. Goodbye. You don't know what we can find. Why don't you come with me, Jon Snow, on a magic Dragon, Dragon ride. ride. Romantic waterfalls. A place where we can kiss. The dragon's looking at me. Do, 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 do,